0: Thank you, Tom, and good morning, everyone. Lovely to be here with you. Lovely to see you all, and uh, really good to be able to share God's word with you. So let's just pray before we start. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that we've been learning over uh, over the last few weeks through the Book of Mark. How you've inspired us and encouraged us and challenged us, and we just ask that once again, you would speak to us as we sit in our separate homes and yet meeting together. You would build us up, challenge us, ready for the discipleship and lives that you want us to live. Amen. Um, I wonder how you answer it. If someone was to say to you, so who are you? Who are you? I wonder what kind of answer you'd give. I wonder whether you talk about your gender, your job, your ethnicity, your age, uh, where you sit in a family. I wonder how you would define who you are. If I was to say, so who are you? I wonder what your answer would be and this passage from mark that we've just heard read hinges on a question about who we say jesus is and it's a really important passage um some people say it's the kind of the center part of the book of mark where we've kind of up to this point had lots of miracles and healings and from here on in it heads towards jerusalem Uh, a few years ago i've talked about this being the hinge in the book of mark but tom has taught us about sandwiches and fillings And this being the middle filling of the middle sandwich amongst other sandwiches. So this passage that's really important, it's like the most important filling in your most favourite sandwich. So if you just think of that and whether that's bacon or sausages or halloumi or bananas, whatever it is you would have in your most favourite sandwich, this is it. So this bit is really, really significant as Jesus asked this important question. So I'm going to share a screen with you. And so you've got some pictures to look at. And we'll just, there we are. So Jesus asks this really key question: Who do you say I am? He asked it of the disciples. But actually, just before this, he's asked it of, let me just do that. He's asked it of, he said, Who do others say I am? Who is it that other people are saying I am? They say, well, some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist. There's kind of, who do people say I am? There's a variety of answers going around. But for Jesus, the most important thing is he turns this around and says, yes, but who do you say I am? A question that kind of resonates down the centuries. That Jesus, I believe, still asks us as we encounter this passage. Jesus once again says to each of us, but who do you say I am? And this is a brilliant passage uh, for all sorts of reasons, but for us in Birmingham, it really speaks to us because actually, just like the disciples could answer, well, some people say this and some people say that, we live in a city where lots of people would be able to answer that question in lots of different ways. Our Muslim friends would say a prophet. Our Hindu friends might say a religious leader. A, a, a holy man. Some of our Sikh friends might say he's your guru. Lots of different answers. But Jesus says, "But who do you say I am? Who do you say I am?" The question that speaks to each of us. And Peter, of course, jumps in and says, "You're the Messiah." And you notice Jesus doesn't deny that. He doesn't say, "Oh well, no, 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 no." He he accepts it. And he says not to tell people. We're going to think about that in a moment. But Messiah has some really important meanings. In scripture, Messiah is not just a kind of a title, it means really deep, important things. The Messiah was someone who was expected. People were waiting for the Messiah. And it was someone who was going to be anointed. That means set apart by God, not just another ordinary person, but someone who is different, separate, holy. Anointed, someone really very special, consecrated by God for a particular task. This wasn't just someone who drifted around, just saying whatever and just just kind of being generally holy. This is someone consecrated, set apart by God for a particular task. People have talked about it being a divine choice, a godly choice, and divine empowering, and all these things we see in Jesus, don't we? Given a particular task, a divine choice for a divine empowering. For the biggest task, to set people free from things that might be they're addicted to or from situations where they're restrained, but particularly to set us free from sin, to set us free from a wrong relationship with God, to set us free to be in right relationships with God and with other people, bringing in God's kingdom of justice and mercy. That is the task that Jesus had, the biggest task, the main task. And that is the ultimate version of messiah and that's in a sense what jesus asks us today who do you say i am do we answer messiah do we say yes we believe you are the anointed one consecrated by god setting us free bringing god's kingdom the one and only messiah there there aren't any other messiahs like this there is only one and we say you are it and therefore we follow you and i don't know whether you've ever really thought about that whether you've sat and really thought and heard Jesus say who do you say I am and this might be the first time that you've done that and you might want to take some time to think about that and you may decide to say yes Jesus you are the Messiah you are the one who sets us free you are the one in whom I'm going to put my hope and my trust you are my Messiah And if you do that for the first time today, that's really exciting and fantastic. And do let one of us know, do phone Tom or another friend in the church, because that's a really significant moment when we come to that point of saying, you, Jesus, are the Messiah. It's the most fantastic thing. And many of us have have done that over the years. I'm going to talk a bit more about that in a moment. But strangely, of course, when Peter says that, Jesus didn't go, yes, you've got it. woohoo!" And kind of start blowing trumpets and things. He said, don't tell anyone. Which we might think, what what a really odd thing to do when Peter's just kind of clocked it. But that's because Jesus knew that actually the word Messiah in other people's minds meant different things. Because actually there had been a number of people claiming to be the Messiah over the years. And in other people's minds, Messiah meant this. When people talked about setting people free, they meant from the Roman army. There was a, a desire to have a messiah who would bring freedom for an oppressed people against the might of the Roman army. And I was reading a book about this during the week. And apparently there'd been six quite well-known people who claimed to be the messiah around that time. And they kind of formed kind of bands of people. They came, became almost like a cult leader. There was religious fervor. They led rebellions against the Romans. And they all failed. They all failed. And some of them, basically, they all ended up having a fight with the Romans, and their followers got killed. And in a couple of cases, the, the 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 people who claimed to be a Messiah got killed. And other times, they just legged it and ran away and let their followers get killed. So in some people's minds, when if people had said, "Oh, we found the Messiah," they might think, "Oh, great, here we go again." So Jesus was aware that this is a really important title when it's used in the right way, in the in the way that's foretold in the Bible. But people have misused it. So that's why we get this bit about him saying to Peter, don't, don't tell anyone. Which brings me on to the next bit I want to think about. For those of us who will say, no, we believe Jesus is the Messiah. And we may have said that a few years ago or many years ago or for some of us decades ago. I want to suggest that Jesus constantly says to us, but who do you say I am? Now that you've been my follower for 10 years, now who do you say I am? Now that you've lived through this experience, who do you say I am? And I think he says to us now, now that you've lived through a pandemic. For many of us, this is the first time when our lives have been completely turned upside down. For those of us young enough to be born kind of post-war, kind of particularly, we're living in Britain, for some of us, we've never experienced life like this. If we'd said two years ago, the government's gonna say it's illegal to go to restaurants and go on holiday, We would have said, yeah, that's North Korea. We don't live there. And yet that's where we live. And in the midst of this turmoil, Jesus asks us, who do you say I am? But when I was preparing for this week, I realised I was reading this sentence in a new way, inspired by the world that I now inhabit. Because what Jesus doesn't do is he doesn't kind of tell them exactly who he is. And it's really odd because in my world at the moment, there's lots of talk about people being allowed and encouraged to self-identify. I don't know if you've heard that phrase, being allowed to self-identify. And that might be in terms of sexuality, about whether people are straight or gay or transsexual or whatever. It might be in terms of uh, religion or nationality, but people being encouraged to self-identify. And I think there's a lot of positivity about that. People saying, this is who I am. This is how I come to you. I think that's, it. can be a really good thing but Jesus doesn't do that. When we self-identify, the part of the reason for doing that is it gives people control. People who haven't had control of their identity, it gives them control. And that can be really affirming and really important. But what Jesus says is not, this is who I say I am, it's, who do you say I am? He gives control to other people. He passes it on to others. And that puts him into a place of quite vulnerability. Other people make that point, make or make make the kind of connections and make the decisions. And we might say, well, that's a really odd thing to do. Wouldn't it have been simpler if Jesus had really clearly self-identified as son of God and Messiah, wouldn't have that kind of cleaned it all up? And I remember being asked this uh, when I used to do a lot more going into schools back a few years ago and talking to uh, particularly Muslim pupils about Jesus. So a number of times they said, But Jesus didn't actually say, I'm God, I'm the son of God. Wouldn't it be easier if he just said it? And then we'd all know. And why didn't he? Why didn't he just come out and go, hello, I'm God? And I thought about this a lot. And I thought, well, actually, I said to them, I can't help but thinking that if Jesus had wandered around just saying to people, hello, I'm the son of God, they'd have probably gone, yes, and I'm the queen of Sheba. Thank you very much. Next. Um, It's very easy just to say, hello, I'm God. Um, But actually, I think most people would just find that slightly ridiculous. Because what Jesus did throughout his whole ministry was he did things that made people stop and ask, who are you? Who is this man? When he calmed the storm on the lake, the response of the disciples was not just to cheer and celebrate. The instant response was to say, who is this man? that can calm a storm can change nature with a word when jesus was with the man who was let down through the roof by his friends we heard about the other week and he said your sins are forgiven the religious leaders said this is blasphemy who is this man because only god can pronounce the forgiveness of sins we can tell people that god has forgiven their sins but this man is saying he can forgive them who is this man and when people saw Jesus doing those kind of things, changing creation with a word, when creation had only ever been created by a word by God, everyone else had to get stuff and change it. Jesus could do it with a word. People asked, Who is this man? It drew people in, it got people engaging. And I think that's really significant for us that Jesus constantly meets us and does things and reveals himself to us that should be prompting in us that constant question. Who is this? That question that Jesus turns around and says, who do you say I am? Because the more we do that, the more we discover the complexity and the depth and the richness of who Jesus is. Because we may, when I was young, we heard a lot of perhaps of Jesus being described as um, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. And there were times when Jesus with the children was definitely gentle and mild. And then other days he chased the money changers out of the temple and threw the tables over and wasn't very gentle. There were times when he sat and with the outsiders and he welcomed those that everyone else spurned and he sat with those who were really on the outside. And other times he went for meals with the religious leaders and the tax collectors and the powerful and he challenged them but he went to their houses. There were times when he spoke words of comfort and times when he said to the religious leaders you're like whitewashed tombs dead on the inside there were times when he had, he demonstrated power to change nature and times when he was totally vulnerable and was on a cross whatever image we might come up with whatever we say when we say who do I say I am Jesus then shows us another bit that gets us into deeper yes mild but also angry at injustice yes with the outsider but also with the political leaders and the religious leaders. Yes, full of joy and laughter. Yes, full of anger and injustice. Complex, deep. And we need, I think, I want to suggest, to keep on answering this question, who do you say I am, to explore the riches of who Jesus is. So we're not left with quite a simplistic, sort of one-dimensional Jesus, but we enter into this relationship with this full, fully human, and yet even more than fully human, fully divine Jesus. It leads us deeper and deeper. But there's another negative side why I think it's really important that we do this. Because if we don't keep answering who do I say you say I am, if we don't keep going deeper, there's a danger that we come up with some really problematic views of who Jesus is. Three images here that are uncomfortable. On the left, there we've got the crusaders. Religious soldiers and warriors from 900 years ago when pope urban in france said to people we need to raise an army in the name of jesus to go and reclaim jesus from the infidels we would call them muslims we need to go and send an army and this is such a holy task that if you go all your sins will be forgiven and all the sins you commit in the future will be forgiven as well so you can imagine the kind of people who turned up but if we'd asked them and say, who do you say Jesus is? They would have said, he's our king. Jesus is the king. They could have answered that question. But where was the love for neighbor? Where was the love for your enemy that Jesus taught? Seemingly nowhere. In the top right, that figure of a bishop looking at his slaves. We've learned over the last few months the awful horror of the slave trade and the legacy that that's still playing for us. And the the realisation that whilst many Christians opposed it and were at the forefront of opposing it here in Britain, there were some Christians who benefited from it, either just because they couldn't be bothered to deal with it or because they didn't mind. And if we'd said to them, who do you say I am? Who do you say Jesus is? They'd have said, well, he's chosen us. We are his chosen people. And because we are chosen, we are the good people. We are the ones who are fully human. These others obviously weren't chosen. Therefore, they are less than human. We can treat them like animals where was the justice where was the compassion of jesus it wasn't there and then down the bottom this is an image i don't know if you saw the uh, terrible riots in in washington back in uh in january and the assault on the capitol building and how many of the people who went there to cause trouble on that day took crosses and banners saying jesus saves and went there claiming that it was a christian act Now, this isn't me having a go at anyone who might be a Republican or support Donald Trump. When I was in America, I met many Christians who supported both those things, who were gracious, loving people. And I've got friends who support every political party here in Britain. But these people, it's been shown, were out for violence, but also some have been clearly linked to white supremacist movements. These are not just Republicans or Trump supporters, these are people with a malicious intent and yet carried across and carried banners saying jesus saves and if we'd said to them who do you say jesus is they'd have probably said he's the one who's blessed us he's the truth and because we know the truth everyone else is fake everyone else is wrong we've got it right but where was the humility so if we have a very simplistic view of jesus we can end up in some really bad places now i'm sure none of us are going to end up in any of those places i'm not suggesting that that's likely to happen for any of us But it is really easy to have a view of Jesus, to answer this question, who do you say I am, that leaves us feeling proud, leaves us feeling arrogant, leaves us feeling indifferent to others, or uncaring of those who we see as wrong. And sadly, I'm sure I've done that over the years, and I know it's very easy for Christians to fall into that trap. So we come back time and again. who do you say i am because jesus of course once he'd said to peter don't tell them about the messiah then opened up this passage this teaching of what the messiah was actually going to be the messiah who was going to suffer the messiah who wasn't going to lead a great army but was going to suffer and die and rise to life which peter didn't like he felt uncomfortable with that and jesus then goes on to say if you want to follow me it's going to be tough you'll gain everything but actually, what's the point of uh, keeping your, your life if you uh, and losing your soul? It's a journey of vulnerability, but it's a journey of life. You will gain eternal life. You'll gain the rightness with God. But it's not that journey of power and conquest that others might want. It's not the, the journey of arrogance that we're good and they're bad, that kind of journey. It's a journey with the Messiah. Who was going to die and rise to life the journey with this rich deep sense of who he is and a journey where jesus constantly turns to us and says but who do you say i am amen